Well, good evening, church, and welcome to our regular Sunday night teaching time. I know it's online, but we do Sunday night, and I'm just inviting you to join us for the study Soul Food, the things you need to know about your Bible, how we got it, how to get the most out of it. And we have, for a number of weeks now, been studying Matthew 13, 1 to 9, the parable of the soils. And I've called this part, the soil makes all the difference. How we determine transformation by where we draw the line of our hearing. I think you'll see the significance of the title as I read the text. Matthew 13, get a Bible and let's study together for a little while, all right? Matthew 13, 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked them. That's quite a verb, choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, we've spent uh, two Sunday nights tapping into some of the truths of this wonderful parable about how the word is likened to seed. Mark clearly says the seed is the word. Matthew doesn't identify that specifically, but you can see from the parable that that's what he's saying. So the story is told by Jesus, crafted in such a way that this idea of hearing the word in a way that brings results is just just terribly important. The idea is that the seed doesn't just remain itself when it enters the soil. It becomes something bigger than itself. The seed is the word that it that it it becomes something bigger than the print on the page when we hear it properly and it enters our heart there's there's a there's a growth in its impact in its life-giving effect on our hearts this is this is obviously what Jesus is emphasizing seed always becomes bigger than itself seed turns into fruit so the word properly heard in settings like this in your devotional time however When it's properly heard, it doesn't just remain those words on the page. The seed transcends itself. It carries fruit of its own nature. Its its nature is to transform. All right, so, so far, we've studied three truths. I won't take a lot of time. Let me just highlight them briefly. Truth number one. All transformation begins with the word seriously heard. That's why Jesus likens it to seed. All growth comes from seed. Seed is the beginning place of any harvest. Whatever you want to harvest, somewhere along the way, it has to start with seed. Life doesn't come from nowhere. Life has to be germinated 
And the Word of God is the starting place. If you're looking for spiritual fruit, spiritual transformation, the life of God, you start with the Word. That's the seed. There are a lot of different parts to the Christian life, for sure. There are a lot of different areas to grow. But all growth starts with the seed of the Word. The second truth we looked at is the power of the Word can't germinate in a life too entrenched in stubborn patterns of living. The way Jesus talks about it is this pathway. The old King James, I think, says wayside. Uh, pack down soil where, where the seed lands, but it can't, it can't penetrate the surface. And Jesus says the birds come and just eat it up. In another place, Jesus identifies the birds as the enemy, Satan. He'll just snatch it away. Make sure there's no impact of the word in your life. So this habit of creating patterns of life without reference to God's word, it creates this packed down wayside soil and the seed can't germinate. If, if I know the word at any particular area, if I know what the word says, I know the teaching of the word, but I refuse hard, hard hearted. I refuse to live it. It, it, it closes my life to the power of the Word because, because everything that I want to see unfolded is tied to my response to the seed at that one point. All of life. What, what part of a tomato plant isn't a direct result of its seed? What part of an apple tree isn't a direct result of its seed? So, so hearing the word means training my mind, staying sensitive, staying repentant, staying alert, thinking it through, training my mind to see everything, everything through the countercultural lens of God's word. That's what Christianity is. If I attempt to incorporate parts of the Christian life, while settling other parts on my own, the hard path of my own stubborn desires, the word can't germinate. It can't germinate at all. The third thing we looked at, the germinating power of God's word in my life will be short-lived until the unyielding areas under the surface of my visible life are broken up and removed. I talked about this quite a bit last uh, Sunday night where seed lands, sprouts quickly, roots go down, but there's rocks there under the surface. Hard things, unyielding things under the surface of my heart. You don't see it, but it's there. And, and, and to the extent that there's any part of my life that's unseen, I might be going to church regularly, carrying my Bible, singing all the songs, but at that point on, under the surface where I, I just, I don't want to budge. The, the, you'll start something, but you'll never, you'll never see the fruit of it. You'll, you'll constantly be living your Christian life in fits and starts, frustrated, feeling like a hypocrite. Today we come to the fourth idea presented by Jesus in this parable. So this is point number four, if you count the last two Sunday nights. Intake of the Word is not enough to ensure its growth in the heart. And I would underline that word, intake. 
Matthew 13, 7. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. It, it seems like the thorns grew faster somehow. That, that's the picture I get there. And then the explanation of these thorns growing up in 13.22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. Okay, so there's exposure, some kind of response maybe. But the cares of the world, A, and the deceitfulness of riches, B, choke the word and it proves unfruitful. This will date me. When I was a kid, uh, we used to have uh, an opening session where all the classes were together for the opening part of Sunday school. And we used to sing a little chorus when I was a kid, and it went something like this. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And we would all crouch on the floor and then read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow and grow. And then by the time you get to the last one, you're all standing on your tippy toes all in all, not a bad song, but, but it didn't quite tell the whole truth. See, it, it really isn't enough just to read your Bible and pray every day. Apparently, if this parable is true, you have to be doing one other thing with quite a bit of courage and quite a bit of diligence. What? What else do you have to do? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Isn't that how it works? Not quite. Jesus says, here's something else you'll have to do every day. You have to pull out weeds and thorns by the roots. Because they're going to choke that word. The one that you're reading every day, they're going to choke it. You have to pull up weeds and thorns by the roots. And Jesus identifies two, um, let's say two parasites that if left to grow along with the Word, they'll win every time. They will choke the Word. The Word doesn't choke them. They choke the Word. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, these are like two tapeworms to the life of the Spirit. So, so this is important. I can't, I can't just put the Word in. I have to take these two things out at the same time. So those two weeds cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches. Those two weeds, they're family members. They're related to each other. See, first, the cares of this world, I mean, they're the obvious centers of worldly attention. Cares. The centers of worldly attention. Security, happiness, popularity, pleasure, all-round well-being, leisure, Sports, uh, those are all the natural goals of virtually all citizens of planet Earth. We, we feel pressure to achieve those things. Secondly, the deceitfulness of riches. Well, it comes in precisely at this same point. See, we live in a world that is under the sway, Jesus said, of the father of all lies. And the biggest, maybe most successful lie he tells is this. Riches, riches. That's the answer to the cares of this world. Security, happiness, fulfillment, contentment. 
A answers B. A is the route to B. Wealth will answer the cares of this world as nothing else can. Jesus hits on that very, very tightly. And here's the punchline from Jesus. If you believe that, if you believe wealth will answer to the cares of this world, put your Bible away. It will do you no good. You you can't spread the seed of the word on top of that colossal lie. Before the word can bring its fruitful life into the soil of my mind, I I need to set a brush fire to the lies of the age. And that is what the life of faith is all about. Faith means rejecting anything else as ultimately satisfying, ultimately meaningful. Faith means carving out all the false affections, rooting them out. It means building the goals and aspirations of my whole life around the promises of the seed so that it can grow. Faith faith means, it means saying with David, Psalm 19, 8 to 11, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eye, the way you see things, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true, not the lies of the father of all lies. And righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Do you see the inverting of values here? More to be desired are they than gold. Much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by keeping them, your servant is warned and in keeping them, there is great reward. Without that attitude, there is no point to taking up God's word because it will constantly be telling you things you won't believe. It's going to tell you to lose all those paltry rags this world calls life, and they won't feel like rags to you. It will tell you that true joy is found in giving every ounce of energy and strength, spending your life in sacrificial, time-consuming effort for Christ's kingdom, and that will seem like nonsense to you. So the world will tell you that dying is gain for Jesus. Sorry, the word will tell you that dying is gain for Jesus. It will tell you that you are blessed when people persecute you for Jesus' sake. It will tell you that the hunger for God is better than the hunger for riches. And here's the point. None of those central truths of the word is believable to a worldly mind. None of it makes sense to those who give as much time to the weeds as they do to the seed of God's word. So Jesus says, until those weeds, pull them out. Thorns, pull them out. Until they're ripped up by the roots, they will choke out the the preciousness. Even if you keep reading, they will choke out the preciousness of God's life-giving truth. And, And the Apostle Paul says basically the same thing. This is in 1 Timothy 6, verses 9 through 12. 
Now, as I read, think of those words of Jesus where the, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, they actually choke the life out of the word. Think about that and listen to Paul. 1 Timothy 6, 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The love of money is, is a root of all kinds of evils because it answers to the cares of this life. And there's a lot of them. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. So again, these are people who started, but obviously the word has been choked, right, in their lives. They've wandered away. They were there once. They wandered away from the faith, pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, those lies. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So, so what is, verse 12, what is the fight, the good fight of the faith? Fight the good fight of the faith, verse 12. What is that? Well, Paul tells us. It's, it's pushing back the encroaching lies of verse 9 and 10. Deceitfulness of riches and the lies of the age. So, so if you don't resist, push back, Matthew 13, rip out. If you don't deal with those things, if you don't resist, the celebrities of this age will steal your mind's capacity to rest in the growing, life-giving truth of God's Word. That's the way it works. Those are such scary words, aren't they, to kind of prosperous people like us. And I think they're designed to wake us up, shake us up. We're, 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 I'm supposed to assume that I can become blind and deceived. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't wake up one morning and just renounce Jesus. It happens slowly. It, it happens the way weeds grow. You just come out there one morning and they're all over the place. So, intake of the word isn't enough. It isn't quite true. Read your Bible, pray every day, you'll grow, grow, grow. At the same time, rip out the weeds. The word will help you spot them. The word won't rip them out for you. Rip out the weeds and the thorns. Five, we're almost done now. In a good heart, that's a hearing heart I'm talking, the word can produce results far beyond the, the individual's own strength or ability. This is the beautiful truth. 13, 8, and 9 of the seed fell on good soil, produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. And then Jesus explains in the 23rd verse, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. I used to think, I can remember reading that parable, and I used to think those measurements were sort of fixed, fixed amounts of potential fruitfulness. So, Pastor Chris, 
he's a hundred-folder. Pastor Chad, he's a 60-folder. Pastor Don, sorry, you're just a 30-folder. I don't think that's what Jesus is trying to say. And then, interestingly, to to, to back this up, there's the fact that Mark actually reverses those numbers in his gospel, going from 30-fold to 60-fold to 100-fold, which shows, I think, that the order of increase or decrease isn't fixed. It isn't inevitable. Spiritual flux is tied to hearing. It's tied to the way we respond. Remember, remember Jesus' very strong words in verse 12 of the parable, where he says, For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. Okay, so far so good. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So that's the verse being fulfilled in the closing words of the parable in Matthew 13, where it goes hundredfold. 60-fold, 30-fold. There's a a warning there. The warning is geared to people like me, people like me who, who can add up accumulated years of service and study. I can build quite a pile of my past life and actually feel I've established maybe some credit with God that frees me from heeding the next summon of the Holy Spirit to my heart where something needs to be rooted up under the surface of my life. And the moment I do that, fruitfulness, hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold, or lower. But there is, and this is how I want to close, there's also tremendous comfort in these words especially the way Mark goes 30, 60, 100-fold. The idea I'm getting at here is those numbers, they answer to an old fear, I think, that all of us have at one time or another. And Jesus relates the power of his word to deal with this specific fear. Here it is. God has things for other people. This might work in their lives, but it won't work for me. Other people might move on to great spiritual heights. You don't know my past, Pastor Don. I'm I'm stuck in this rut. And then, and then, to make things worse, the devil comes along to kind of cement those feelings in your mind. That's right, he'll say, that's right. Your marriage fell apart. You don't deserve this. That's right. You never will win the battle with pornography. You've tried before and you're not going to. It's never going to work for you. That sermon, that study Pastor Don did, that'll work for some people, but not me. I've, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know how messed up my life is. And I wonder, I just wonder how many millions of times in millions of ways in churches around the world today, those words will be whispered, reinforced in the minds of Christians as the seed of the word gets planted in their circumstances. I wonder how many people will lose hope before they start. This can't work for me. And friend, whether you come to Cedarview or you're just watching this, please hear me. 
If you've never taken anything said seriously in church before, hear this. God's Word is full of power. It is like seed. The same Holy Spirit who was involved in churning up the work of creation in Genesis 1, that same Holy Spirit who miraculously came to a young virgin, Mary, and caused her to conceive, that Holy Spirit who dwells in the Word carries into any heart who will willingly hear the truth. The Word has power to multiply. It is like seed. It carries its power. True, true. It has to be heard in faith and obedience. True. You have to dig up the rebellious parts under the surface of your life that nobody else sees or knows about. True. You need to uproot the weeds, the thorns that would argue with what God says in His revealed Word. But for those who humbly receive the engrafted word, James says, it will save your soul, James says. And Jesus says it has power to multiply. No no wonder, no wonder at the end of his parable, Jesus says, he who has ears, verse 9, he who has ears, let him hear. This is not just Jesus' way of some locker room talk saying, okay, listen up, fellas. Not that. This is Jesus telling you and telling me to really work hard at hearing this with faith and with passion. This is Jesus telling you and telling me that this is the starting place for everything. It isn't your strength. It isn't your willpower that will win the day. Welcome the Word. Hear it today. Embrace it with all your might. Don't second-guess and watch the fruit grow. Let's pray. What a parable. Jesus, thank you for this master story. So many truths. Uh, Help us as we review them, pray about them, think about them, because because what we want more than anything else is, is the seed of this Word, God's Word, We want that seed to grow and multiply beyond our wildest dreams in all of our lives. And it can happen, it can happen while we're in lockdown. It'll happen wherever people hear with understanding and embrace the truth of your word repentantly in their hearts. Accomplish it. Accomplish it, Lord Jesus, I pray. Accomplish it for Cedarview Community Church. We love you with all our hearts. Pray for your keeping grace and power on our lives. Bless all our families. Keep all our children and youth close to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Bless the church. Thanks for studying with us. Join us for our prayer time.